smart journalism. Fascinating topics. Words that describe CNN's podcast, The Assignment with Audie Cornish. We are revisiting the public school culture wars. What have we learned from the kids who fought against book bans? We really started the club to get students reading these books. Students have an opinion in this fight, too. How has the war over books sparked a backlash to the so-called parents' rights movement? It's not okay what they're doing, and they're being watched. Listen to The Assignment with Audie Cornish, streaming now on the iHeartRadio app. Hey, this is John Ridley. And this is Matt Carey, documentary editor at Deadline. And welcome to Talk Talk. John, we've got a hard-hitting episode today. A lot of controversy. Well, maybe we should put the word controversy in quotes in the documentary field about the nominees for Best Documentary Feature. We're going to get into that with some amazing panelists. You get a shot, but the individuals behind every one of those images, they're complicated and they are human. This has been Doc Talk. Thank you. Great Thank conversation. You. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple. 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. From football playoffs to basketball madness, TCL Roku TVs are the best way to stream your favorite live sports. With all the biggest sports channels, a sports zone with all available games in one place, and apps like iHeartRadio with sports podcasts such as The Herd with Colin Cowherd. Cheering on your favorite team has never been easier. A big screen TCL Roku TV offers premium picture and sound quality, so you'll feel like you're right in the action. Find the perfect TCL Roku TV for you today at Amazon.com. Are you looking to step up to a 4K smart TV? One that gives you unparalleled clarity and picture resolution? Then we've got good news for you. Because the Vizio 65-inch V-Series 4K smart TV is now just $348. With all your favorite apps built in, you can stream straight out of the box. You can even sing along to all your favorite music and radio on the iHeartRadio app. Looking for a smaller or bigger screen? Vizio offers unbeatable prices on all V-Series 4K smart TVs. Head to Walmart.com today and score the 4K TV you've been waiting for. Hello and welcome to the MMQB NFL Podcast. I'm Gary Grandling. I'm Connor Orr. And toward the end of the show, we're going to have some silly stuff about the Washington Commanders, new nickname, but uh, we're going to start off with some more serious subject matter. Brian Flores has filed a lawsuit against the NFL, the Denver Broncos, Miami Dolphins, and the New York Giants, alleging racial discrimination in their hiring practices. This is, if I could use the most cliched language possible, a bombshell. We're going to get to some of the details. Some of the allegations are absolutely damning. And we should note up top, the NFL, the Broncos, the Dolphins, the Giants all issued statements denying the allegations Flores put forth in the lawsuit. But we're going to start with a big picture look at this because it's that important. And in fact, it's so important. We are bringing in a very special guest for this week's show. Uh, please welcome Sports Illustrated Weekly's John Gonzalez. John, welcome to the show. Gentlemen, thank you for having me. So Brian Flores is, is, boy, he is putting himself out there. Yeah, he is. I mean, look, I, he was on a host of shows this morning talking about putting himself out there and why it was important. But he, he also messaged Cameron Wolf from the NFL Network, and he said it was time to stop being quiet about the injustices that are happening. This was long overdue. There's plenty of racism that needs to be exposed, all of which is true. 
all of which is commendable. But I think like one of the immediate, in the immediate aftermath of this, one of the things that people were saying, and I, and I saw it happen on ESPN when he, when Brian Flores was on ESPN this morning, Mike Greenberg said to him, well, you know, there could be ramifications for you. And therein lies the problem because for somebody to step forward, like Brian Flores, Brian Flores realizes, and he even says it in the, in his uh, lawsuit that he might be torpedoing, torpedoing his own career. And that's a massive issue because for somebody to step forward and expose the systemic racism, it's almost always somebody who looks like Brian Flores trying to clean up after people who do not look like Brian Flores because the power structure, the people of privilege in the NFL who put the system in place, they're predominantly white. And as you saw with the NFL network, or as you saw with the NFL, they issued a statement almost immediately after uh, Brian Flores' lawsuit comes out saying that these allegations are without merit. Well, you haven't done an investigation. So we already know that it's already baked, right? I mean, the people who are in power who put the system in place are not going to investigate the people who are in power who put the system in place. For them, it's part of the system. It's not a flaw. It's a feature. Yeah, and I think what happens now is, uh, you know, and you'd never want to conflate two different cases. Um, And even though Colin Kaepernick was mentioned in the Brian Flores suit. I think that these are different things. Uh, and that that sentiment has been expressed, certainly when I've called around the league this morning. But, you know, one of the things that the overarching issues with the Kaepernick case was you saw this sort of anonymous surge of coaches, executives, uh, you know, people who could speak through the media who were willing to basically say that Colin Kaepernick was not a good NFL quarterback anymore that like, yes, I mean, some of this stuff is bad and some of this stuff happens, but he's not going to play anymore anyway. And he's just upset that, you know, he's not going to be a starting quarterback. And that then sort of pacifies people who have an ingrained bias and kind of allows them to move on from the situation and gives the NFL sort of a foot out the door to just sort of walk away with this and say, oh, it's not our problem. And Brian Flores, I think, is going to be similar. And we saw this messaging when he left Miami initially, right? And when he left the Dolphins, the messaging was he didn't work well with others. Um, you know, he insisted this person was fired. He had too many assistant coaches. And I think we're going to see a lot of that coming out in the next few days, the next few weeks, where uh, he's going to be painted as someone who um, just has an axe to grind, right? And was a bad head coach and, you know, isn't going to get another job. And so I think that is is the ultimate sort of trapdoor feature of any NFL scandal, right, is the pushback that they're able to do via, you know, anonymous sourcing. And so I think that's kind of what you look out for at this point. But I think it's going to get really interesting. I think uh, Brian Flores has opened up a lot of eyes. I think that his just seeing him on CBS this morning and the look on his face when he said, I went into that Giants interview believing that this was not a legitimate interview. I think a lot of coaches identify with that. And I think a lot of coaches are sick of it. And I think a lot of coaches are, you know, it was described to me as the next phase of this is a lot of retired coaches are going to stand up and start joining this. And then I think phase two is going to be a little bit more interesting once the active coaches all kind of get involved as well. So the NFL's solution to their, their, uh, basically racial balance problem among head coaching over the years has been the Rooney rule. Uh, it is morphed a little bit. It's at a point where, uh, you know, you have to interview uh, two minority candidates for an opening at head coach. Uh, the Rooney rule is, 
you could say it's well-intentioned. Uh, I, I, I don't know if you can necessarily deny that, but it's also clear that it's been a while now. Uh, we are not seeing progress. We have one black head coach in the NFL. That is Mike Tomlin. We have a, a total of three right now who are uh, people of color. I'm not <laughs> I'm not sure you can just stand behind the Rooney rule and say, well, you know, we're we're doing all right with it. Uh, we're working towards something because it's uh, it's going in the wrong direction right now. 31 teams were all for that statement that gets put out, right? Where it's like, ah, nothing to see here. Let's all move along. It's not even just that there's only one black head coach. I mean, look at it top to bottom. Zero black owners. One black head coach. Three black quarterback coaches. Four offensive coordinators. Six GMs. In a league that's roughly ballpark 70% black. I mean, that is hugely inequitable. And so the Rooney rule, while in a well-intentioned though it may be, is hugely ineffectual because there's no ramifications for this. And we saw this exposed, and that's why I think it was such a bombshell when we found out what was happening with Brian Flores, because it's exposed by Bill Belichick knowing well in advance that of Brian Flores' interview with the Giants, that he was not getting that interview. It wasn't even somebody in-house at the Giants. This is the Patriots head coach who was just plugged in enough to go, oh yeah, sorry, my bad, you're not getting it. And that right there is a systemic failure. Yeah, and I remember talking to um, <clears throat> Tony Dungy about the spirit of the Rooney Rule a couple of years ago when the Raiders hired John Gruden. And if you remember, at that opening press conference, Mark Davis essentially like waved a giant flag in the air that said, I did not follow the spirit of the Rooney rule. And he was just saying, I've been chasing John Gruden for two years and this is great. And I got him. And, you know, when uh, Scott Price interviewed him for the Sports Illustrated feature, they said, would you have even fired Jack Del Rio if you knew that um, John Gruden wasn't available? And he said, no. And do what? Hire T. Martin? Like he said that on the record. Yeah, that was something that he like he printed in a in a in a magazine, a pretty big magazine that we all kind of know and like <laughs> the so. NFL and their ownership has been doing exactly what you just said, Connor, forever. They say the quiet yeah. part out loud all the time. Sometimes yeah. it's in the case of Davis saying it, you know, on the record and all the time. It's with their hiring practices. I mean, it is plain mm -hmm. as day and in front of us and has been for a long time. And, you know, Brian Flores, again, hyper commendable that he has decided to step out front of this issue, but it shouldn't have been put all on Brian Flores. This has been going on for far too long. We have 31 owners in the league. And uh, John, I, I think you raise an important point. Uh, the owners are the power holders here, uh, and they are exclusively white. I mean, it's it, there is zero diversity at the highest levels of, uh, of organizations around the NFL. And that's, I mean, look, that's the biggest hurdle to to crossing this right now. And and it's, it's just difficult to break that because everyone's going to hand their team down to their uh, to the next generation of their family. And these teams are are not going to change hands uh, in the way that, uh, you know, you might have to see for, for this really to get corrected. Yeah, I mean, the call is coming from inside the house and the people inside the house aren't going to pick up, right? I mean, they, they haven't for quite some time. I really, I thought Michael Lee framed it really well. He's an excellent uh, sports journalist at the Washington Post. He tweeted out that Brian Flores was the most accomplished and experienced NFL coaching candidate in this hiring cycle. Some people quibbled with Doug Peterson, but whatever, Brian Flores is top tier. He was coming off consecutive winning seasons, a seemingly unjust firing, and here come the Giants, 
viewing him as a Rooney rule quota filler to check off. He has a right to be hostile. Michael Lee nailed it, right? I mean, like you have a guy because whenever you hear these conversations about assistant black head coaches interviewing for head coaching positions, and this is something that, that, again, black players, black coaches talk about in the league that I've talked with. They say, oh, well, you're getting experience interviewing at least. You don't say that about white guys, right? White assistant mm-hmm. coaches who are interviewing for head coach. You don't say, oh, good for you. You got the experience. It's not about that. And it's not about window dressing. And it's not about, oh, we're going to make this look pretty optically for PR purposes when it comes to the white candidates. It's only what you hear about for the black candidates. So I'm absolutely in agreement with Michael Lee and Brian Flores that like, if I were in his position, I would have had enough a long time ago too. I thought it was interesting in Brian Flores's suit. Like at, at the end, the, you know, there was a section of, you know, what, what would you want out of this? And I think that two things really stood out to me. The first was when a coach is fired, an owner has to put in writing exactly why he fired the coach. Um, it, it, like actually have his reasoning out, in writing. And then the other is some sort of a system to basically force owners to put different things side by side. So experience, uh, you know, professional coaching years, you know, how often you've done X, Y, or Z. And I think if that were the case, you know, because I, I don't think that the sheer number bothers people as much as the optics of certain jobs especially lately that have transpired, right? So you have, for example, Steve Wilkes, who I think had been coaching since 1996 and had been in the NFL since 2005, gets one year with Josh Rosen and then gets fired in Arizona for Cliff Kingsbury, who got fired at Texas Tech, right? And so, you know, the optics there are pretty troubling. You have in Kansas City, Andy Reid's offensive coordinators are just flying off the shelf. You have Doug Peterson, Matt Nagy, and then all of a sudden, Eric Bieniemy, yep. who's black, steps up and is the next offensive coordinator. Can't get a job. Yep. Um, this one was really interesting, too. I thought anybody tangentially connected to Sean McVay. So you have Zach Taylor immediately flies off the board. Cliff Kingsbury got a job because he was they mentioned in the press release that he was friends with Sean McVay. <laughs> of course uh, they did. And uh, and then. Raheem Morris comes around, uh, doesn't get a head coaching job, defensive coordinator. And Raheem Morris, by the way, say what you will about, you know, the Rams were up and down a little bit defensively, but called two of the most beautiful blitzes I've ever seen in my life in the playoffs, is absolutely dialed in with this defense. If Brandon Staley gets a head coaching job for overperforming with this defense, Raheem Morris doesn't, you know, these are the things that, you know, and, and, and teams will leak stuff out at their various surrogates that say, well, the reason is really this, but... Black coaches don't see it that way. Coaches of color don't see it that way. They're looking at it as, okay, why does this guy get the job? And why didn't I get the job when you're reasoning to hire this guy as X and I'm doing the same thing and I'm not getting a job? And so I think that it's less about like, I think the NFL is concerned with like, like it's a very typical NFL thing, right? We need to have X number, you know, like if we get to eight or whatever, then we're good and everyone's going to leave us alone. That's not the case. It's just it needs to be more equitable. Like, you know, if, you know, whatever, Brian Dable gets the job in in New York and he's been in the league for what, 20 some years. OK, you've been an assistant for 20 some years. Some other guy gets a job that's been, you know, for example, if Josh McCown gets the Texans job. Yeah. The league is going to melt down. The league is going to absolutely melt down if extremely qualified black coaching candidates cannot get a job and Josh McCown 
with like high school coaching experience walks into an NFL coaching job, people are going to lose their minds and rightfully so. Rightfully so. Well, uh, well overdue. I think you guys forget Josh McCown did mentor Johnny Manziel. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Gosh. I mean, I mean, but this is, you know what? This is, you know, you got to laugh to keep from crying, right? Because it's so egregious and we're making light of it a little bit there, but it's so egregious as to like reach a level of farce. I mean, in the, in the statement that the NFL issued, you know, mere moments after the lawsuit is filed saying that these allegations are without merit, they say that the that diversity is core to everything they do. I mean, that is laughable on its face. So, you know, Jason Concepcion, who I used to work with at the ringer and who's now over at crooked media and who's network on on Twitter and very funny said, yeah, it's at the core of everything they do. It's buried down so deep in that core that it never comes to the surface. And that's the <laughs> truth. That's the truth. It's plain for everybody to see. So the Rooney rules success story, and I feel like this talking point came up for years and years and still pops up every once in a while is Mike Tomlin. You know, Mike Tomlin wouldn't have gotten the interview with the Steelers, wouldn't have gotten the Steelers job, uh, et cetera, et cetera. That's why the Rooney rule uh, is good and works. And again, the Rooney rule might be well-intentioned, but uh, Mike Tomlin was hired in 2007. That was, uh, oh, I don't know, what was that, like 17 presidential uh, elections ago or seemingly so? it's been a really long time since this has worked for anyone. And, you know, look, if the uh, if the box checking sort of uh, sham interview approach isn't working, uh, you know, OK, maybe adding a second one is intended the right way, but it's not going to be effective. And, you know, I, I, I think if nothing else comes out of this lawsuit and we'll see how it plays out, but uh at least we're going to have a real re-examination of the Rooney rule where right now the heart of it is, well, Will look we? at these guys' interviews. Will we? I mean, I'm, I'm skeptical of that, Gary. I, I am. You yeah. say we're going to have a real examination of this. Okay. We'll have an, ex- we'll have an examination of this. Yeah, yeah. we will. <laughs> yeah, we, we will. But I, I am very skeptical that the NFL will look at itself and do any sort of meaningful introspection because we haven't seen it for a very long time because exactly what you said, there are no ramifications beyond bring in a black candidate and it's tokenism at its very core. Forget about the core the surface. Again, it is tokenism and they, and they're okay with that. Or at least have been for a very long time. So I'm skeptical uh, that they will look at this and, and evaluate it and figure out some sort of patch for, again, something that I don't believe that they view as a bug. I believe that they view as a feature. When I I mentioned this before and I didn't finish my point, I forgot to finish my point. But <laughs> when 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 Tony Dungy brought up when we were talking about the Rooney Rule, he said it worked for Mike Tomlin because the Rooney family sat in that interview room and said to each other before this whole thing started, "We need to be prepared to be blown away. Like it doesn't matter who it is, whoever walks in the door and blows us away gets the job." You know, and it, and it and. It wasn't like, okay, well, we kind of want this guy and we kind of want this guy. It's like everybody starts out at zero and then, you know, we score the candidates at the end. That is only what the Rooney family does. Like nobody else, it doesn't operate that way. You know, if you talk to people in the coaching world, like you understand that like some of these guys, it's like the owner's assistant who knows the person and and this, you know, like these things you know, these things happen just like, you know, 
at the bank that you work at when all of a sudden the CEO's, you know, the CEO's son is like the assistant vice president. And you're like, how did that happen? You know, th- this is kind of how it works. And um, we thought that it was a meritocracy more more so, but it wasn't. But here's what's interesting. I don't think that the Rooney rule will be reexamined by the NFL. But in just kind of taking a temperature this morning um, when all this stuff is going on, I think that the Rooney rule will be forced to reexamine because I think what coaches are going to start doing, talented coaches of color, is to just not take the interviews, is to say, okay, um, that's nice. I appreciate it, but um, I've done my due diligence. I think you're probably going to hire Sean McVay clone Y, and so I'm not flying for this interview, find somebody else to check the box. And I think owners are going to have to demonstrate a certain level of humility and seriousness, which they have not done in any way, shape or form over the last, you know, two decades in this uh, process. And if that's the case, then we can start seeing some actionable change. But I think it's, I think you're going to start to see a lot of coaches not take the interviews that this is their only recourse. And how sad is that? Extremely right? sad. You could, you know, and, and, I I get the, you know, me as a white guy saying like this is the only way to get this done. I understand like how I, I understand how this looks. I'm just saying this is what, you know, is kind of being explained to me, but it's it's horrible that like and it's not just coaching, it's not just the NFL, it's anything. Like how many times have like, you know, repressed Americans had to do something, you know, so gigantic to force somebody's attention. And and it seems like that's going to be the case again. Like, and the NFL could fix this problem, but instead they're going to wait for coaches to essentially clog the system by turning down opportunities to interview before they're like, okay, you win and let's try to fix it. Well, let's, uh, let's talk about Flores himself because uh, I don't think there's any objective argument that he did a really good job the last three years in Miami. He won five games with a team that was uh, not built to win, and then he had back-to-back winning seasons with what was still a fairly undermanned roster. Uh, One of the things that came up in this lawsuit was the prospect of tanking, and Flores uh, has alleged that Owner Stephen Ross offered him $100,000 per loss during that 2019 season. Uh, we've had, since then, Hugh Jackson has sort of chimed in on social media and said the Browns had a uh, similar approach with him while he was there and they were maybe playing for draft position. But uh, this, is a, this is another ugly part of this, uh, this whole, I don't know, operation of the NFL that is, that is popping up here that uh, not only... <laughs> Not only are teams maybe not interested in winning, but they they kind of, I mean, Brian Flores, if that's the case, uh, was basically just set up to fail as soon as he took the job. Yeah, that's a, I mean, that's a really good point. And like from an academic standpoint, uh, as a Philadelphian who uh, watched the process Sixers <laughs> do this, I yep. get trying to stack the deck in order to win long term. That part I get. But there's something untoward about the the bribery in terms of failure, right? Because you're absolutely right, Gary, that he was set up to fail if they're incentivizing him to do so. I mean, that's that's the whole point, right? And and I'm really, really interested in this component because in addition to the league having to look at itself about its hiring practices, which I don't think it will be want to do, they have previously shown an inclination to investigate competitive issues, 
And this is one of those, right? Like where you're incentivizing people with significant bonuses to tank games. And I want to know if they're not going to get their dander up about, oh, by the way, we need to be a more diverse workforce because diversity is good for workplaces. I'll bet you they got fired up about this component. Yeah. And here's what else is kind of interesting about your point, Gary, is look at the last few um, instances of public tanking um, or like not not and some of it could be soft tanking. Right. And some of it could be actual tanking or instances where teams lost a lot of games and ended up with the number one pick in all of those instances or nearly all of those instances. The team hired a head coach of color to basically allow him to be the face of this sinking blimp and then reap the benefits of it when it was gone. Hugh Jackson with the Browns for two years, um, Steve Wilkes with the Cardinals, and look what the Texans tried to do to David Culley, <laughs> you know, um, unsuccessfully. But, uh, you know, David Culley won four games with maybe the worst roster in modern NFL history, and then they fired him to maybe hire Josh McCown. So, um, again, like teams are kind of utilizing this it like at least on the surface seems like a loophole where it's like okay we're going to claim we're progressive we're going to make this higher but we're just going to set this guy up to fail we're going to let him tank uh with a horrible roster say that we have a record track record of diverse hiring and then we're going to hire who we want with five first round draft picks and you know i don't think that this is something that people are looking at and saying oh that doesn't happen i mean this is you know there's real cynicism in the league right now about stuff like this hey guys rob parker here to tell you the national sales event is on at your toyota dealer making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new toyota truck like the rugged half-ton tundra workhorse by nature powerhouse by design the tundra combines raw capability with premium comfort and advanced tech to fuel your wildest adventures and with the available iForce max hybrid powertrain you can take electrifying horsepower further than ever before or check out the fully redesigned tacoma delivering trail dominating power and captivating style the new tacoma was born to make your off-roading dreams come true and with the new available tech this legendary truck is getting even better and when you buy a toyota truck you buy toyota dependability meaning your truck will hold its value long into the future so visit your local toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com toyota let's go places when you're an american express platinum card member don't be surprised if you say things like chef what course are we on i've, I've lost count or shoot that shoot that and even checkouts not until four so because the american express platinum card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants elevated experiences at live events and 4 p.m late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through amex travel that's the powerful backing of american express see how to elevate your experiences at americanexpresscom with amex terms apply apple card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card you earn up to three percent daily cash on every purchase every day that's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval. Terms apply. 
Hey guys, this is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This Podcast. We got a great episode coming up. Picks in all the sports, football, basketball, we do them all. But here's a preview of this week's episode. Nothing to do with anyone personally, but Creighton is the team every year that the nerds, you know, the basketball nerds, are like, you know, who's ready to catch Creighton? You don't watch Creighton. They play. And I'm like, I don't want to watch Creighton because I agree with Shannon, the dude today. Creighton's never going to win anything. Stop talking to me about Creighton. They're not, never the, gonna, not, the, not the Big East tournament? Well, I mean, they could maybe they win the Big East tournament, but it'll only be luck. But, like, they're always like, you know, a sleeper team. That cool. Like that guy who I told you had eight title teams. One of his title teams was Creighton is not winning the national championship. It's yeah, I don't not, have him doing that. that. Like, that's why do we all have to act like Creighton is a, is a, is a good team? Creighton's like the band they all say you should know if you really knew bands. <laughs> and then they're never at any of those. And then they're never, yeah, exactly. And it comes time for the Grammys, and they lose out to, like, you know, Lil Dirk. And you're like, see, I knew Lil Dirk was better. Why are you, t- why are you telling me? The whole time. <laughs> and this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, CNN's chief medical correspondent. And this is Chasing Life. Three out of four U.S. adults are considered overweight or have obesity. 75% of Americans. Dr. Fatima Cody-Stanford. Our weight is one factor that plays a role in our health. But by itself, it doesn't give us the full story of who we are. We have to look at our full person. Listen to Chasing Life, streaming now on the iHeartRadio app. Well, listen, guys, uh, we're close friends here, and I I think you guys know my passion for correct punctuation and uh, sometimes over-punctuation. And with that in mind, I do want to get into one of the, we'll call it the lighter parts of this story, and that is Bill Belichick's uh, uh, texts and his texting style. Now, the texts themselves were, were frankly, devastating for Brian Flores. Uh, It seems there there was a mix-up. Bill Belichick might have thought he was texting Brian Dable, but was accidentally texting Brian Flores is is how it might have played out here. Is that our take? Yeah, I mean, if you read the text messages, it quite clearly seems like he knew what was happening. Uh, He says, you know, I think you're the Giants guy. And Flores says, I think I am too. But I interview on Thursday. And then Flores says, coach, wait a minute. Do you think you're talking to Brian Flores or Brian Dable? And two hours go by, and our colleague Jason Jason Schwartz pointed that out, which had to be excruciating for Flores, at which point, like, Belichick is probably either, you know, not checking his phone and or thinking in his head, man, I, I really screwed this up, which is exactly what he says, only using much more colorful language. And he says, you know, I double-checked and misread the text. I think they're naming Dable. So he know. He knew, and I think maybe to your point, Gary, about these text messages, and in addition to him uh, having this faux pas where he ends up texting the wrong Brian, which sets this whole thing in motion and everything explodes and it you know, detonates the league, he signs his text messages, BB, which we know it's you, guy. <laughs> I, I will say I worked for Peter King for many years, and his, his email subject line was always, Peter here. <laughs> like yeah, I could see from the from the two field right next to it. Uh, it's like whenever I get a phone call from my mother in law, which is one of my favorite things, she calls and then I pick up and she goes, "Connor," and I'm like, "Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I live here." <laughs> <laughs> Hello, uh, but uh, amazing. I think one of my 
well, my favorite part, and again, you couch this by saying this is a, you know, we're making light of something that, you know, really was sort of a, not a, not a great moment in, uh, no. in Brian Flores' life for sure. But, um, in the aftermath of this, uh, I saw USA Today wrote this and John, I know you tweeted this as well. Like, you know, they said, oh, this is part of Belichick's plan. 3D chess, baby. And he wanted to get the Giants in trouble for, well, I didn't even see this, but I'm guessing this is part of it. Like, wanted to punish the Giants for firing Joe Judge by ba ba ba. And I'm just like, he's 70 years old. Yeah. Like, Bill Belichick is a 70 year old man. He's going to make mistakes like this. And what I wouldn't give to have all of my dumbass shit be couched as like a mark of genius. <laughs> like, can you imagine my wife being like, Connor meant to put the keys in the refrigerator because he knew it was going to be warm. He knew it was going to be warm outside, and then he wanted it to be cold in his Why pocket. Why that refreshment you know? in his pocket? Yeah, yeah, cool keys, you know? Cool and it's keys. like, no. <laughs> like, God damn it! Like, I just, you know, I made a mistake, and uh, we've all been there. Um, this was especially prevalent for me in... Um, college at the student newspaper google chat um and it only showed the first names and i probably like 11 times horribly just you know was like god what an asshole that guy is and just sending it to that person you know <laughs> yeah. and you know I, I we've all done it it's just like you know <laughs> i i just I, I would like to see how Bill Belichick enters the contacts into his phone. I think that is that's a key part of this investigation for me. Does he just have like eleven Bryans and he just hopes that it's the right one that he's like talking to? Mo or, multiple people have made this point. Like, there's a non-zero chance that he has multiple Brian assistant coaches, right? Like, just in his in his phone. Mm. And to your point, uh, Connor, about like how he's a seventy year old man. So I saw this conspiracy theory pop up. You mentioned it. USA Today writes about it. It got some traction where it's like, oh yeah, Belichick's a genius. He figured all this out. So I made a joke on Twitter about how he's not. He's just an aging luddite, right, with like a flip phone. <laughs> and the Belichick stands came out and like the woodwork to point out that. The text messages in his response were blue. Ergo, he has an iPhone. And I'm like, uh, <laughs> that really wasn't the point of the joke. I think you guys are like way overthinking this here. Oh, man. Yeah, my theory is, uh, so my son went to preschool. He was the uh, second child uh, by the name of Craig in his class. Uh, so he became Craig G, but the original Craig just stayed Craig. It drove ah. my wife insane. Uh, so he was Craig G all the time, and we had Craig. So if Flores was in his phone first, maybe that's just Brian, and then Brian Dable becomes Brian D. And then but Brian uh, Dable would be in his phone first because Brian, I think, joined the staff first, but, didn't he? But did he give his phone number to everyone? I don't know. Mm. I don't know. Isn't it alphabetized anyway? <laughs> like, like if you have a Brian D, that like. I don't know. No matter how this happened, it was a, a massive embarrassment. I mean, like, there's no world where Bill Belichick is going, oh, yeah, that, I nailed that one. Right? Like, <laughs> like he says it in the text message. He's like, oh, boy, I really screwed this up. Like, he and he did. And, like, and like we're laughing about it because, like, the way that it was executed was, you know, it, it was, it's tragic comic. But it leads it to this. Yeah. It leads to this consequence that is not at all funny for Brian Flores, for the NFL, you know, for those of us who are sitting here going, man, like more diverse workplaces would be good across the board. And by the way, we should mention, uh, as you kind of did, Connor, like 
the three of us are talking about this subject right now. You two guys are white and I'm biracial. So two and a half of us on this podcast are white, right? Like, so we're not without our sins too. Like the Mm -hmm. diversity across workplaces period is important and we're all failing. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails. And with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers. And with available features like the panoramic moon roof, you can sit back and enjoy the wide open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum Card. 8 a.m., wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> Much better. 2 p.m., grab seats for the game. Come on, pick and roll! 6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase, every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying, Cal's a bust. He can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? That's my first game win I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, DeMarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> Bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even supposed to be That's my day. That's my day. <laughs> <laughs> Smart journalism, fascinating topics, words that describe CNN's podcast, The Assignment with Audie Cornish. We are revisiting the public school culture wars. What have we learned from the kids who fought against book bans? We really started the club to get students reading these books. Students have an opinion in this fight, too. How has the war over books sparked a backlash to the so-called parents' rights movement? It's not okay what they're doing, and they're being watched. Listen to The Assignment with Audie Cornish, streaming now on the iHeartRadio app. 
All right, one more uh, storyline before we call it a day here at the MMQB NFL podcast. But uh, the Washington football team, they have a name besides football team now. It is, as you know, it's the Washington Commanders. Ugh. (laughs) (laughs) It's so bad. I, boy, I was trying to cook up Uh, a a real counter take to this. Like, I wanted to be the, the one guy who was like, no, this is actually awesome. And I just, I can't get there. Yeah, how'd you land on that one? <laughs> it was, <laughs> I, I will say, the one thing I'll say, so when they, they unveiled the uniforms, and this is the worst part of it because we're a podcast, so now I have to paint you a, a word mm-hmm. picture, but they have that, you know, they have the, the I'm guessing it's an alternate, uh, it's the black with the uh, the burgundy and gold uh, lettering and numbering on it, and I was like, oh, that's kind of a cool look, a little bit, maybe a little too Arizona State, but that's that's kind of neat, I like that. And then it was it got a closer look at it. Sort of it's got like the camo uh, neckline and mm-hmm. and sort of sort of that salute to service. And not that we on this podcast don't salute service of uh, of our of our brave uh, uh, members of the military. But uh, the NFL just has this sort of uh, it's it's over the top with their uh, sort of military cosplay type stuff, and that just sort of I don't know. That's it's just too much. I, I so I have a lot of thoughts on this, and there's just not nearly enough time on the podcast for me to complain about this. No, this is um, perfect I for think, you. <laughs> it is. So the first thing is they come out like three weeks ago, and they're like, "We know you all overwhelmingly liked the Red Wolves, and it was by far the most popular choice." But somebody has the trademark on it, so sorry, clowns. Like, we're not going to do the coolest one. And there was, like, these fan markups of, like, black and red, like, NWO, like, Wolfpack-style jerseys. And I was like, this is freaking awesome. Like, I would – like, I haven't bought gear. The last NFL-licensed equipment that I bought was when I worked for the NFL, and I grew up a Browns fan – I was at the Hall of Fame game, and I bought my wife a T-shirt that said, He's my Manziel, uh, which Nailed aged it. horrific. <laughs> Nailed it. Um, That's a we, classic. You're going to yeah, get so we, much on we, eBay for that. We uh, well, we use that to clean the floor. Um, and uh, it's like kind of a, it's kind of a mop rag. And... Uh, <laughs> But I would have bought like a red, like that would have been cool. And uh, uh, but now you're in this commander sphere where my argument is Patriots kind of have the the kind of the territory on like the faux military name. And if you're a team like, do you really want like I mentioned this with presidents and senators like, do you want anything that like once every 10 years becomes like wildly divisive and unpopular, like that invokes something like wildly, wildly invice, uh, you know, just divisive and unpopular. Like I, I, no offense at all to, you know, I'm not saying I'm anti-military pro-military or anything like that. I'm just saying like, there's been like several very marked conflicts throughout our time that have made the military largely unpopular in our country. And so it's like, what are you going to do then when that happens? I don't know. Like it would be like, if you name the team presidents, like we're never again going to have a president with a fifth over a 50% approval rating. So like you can't name the team, the presidents. And while I think commanders is not necessarily that serious, it's like, if you want to do something for the troops, like let's, and like, let's donate part of our proceeds to like helping them transition back from the military or like helping them find work or like, you know, doing stuff like that. And VA of, benefits. Like, 
VA benefits instead of just being like, yeah, camo stuff. And like, you know, I, I, like I can't imagine. And, it, you know, if, if you're if you're in someone in the military and you want to email the podcast and correct me, I, I put out and ask for submissions on this too before, but I was like, would you rather a team that's just like drenched in camo and like, yeah, we're the troops team. Or would you rather just a team named like the bulldogs that donated a ton of money to the VA? Like, you know what I mean? And, and just did something for you instead of just like used your profession as sort of this like symbol of like whatever you're trying to get across. I think the bummer here is that, so they rightly decide not to use the old name anymore. They get away from that. Long overdue. Long, long, long overdue. They get away from it. And they have a placeholder name. And they like stumble into something that's no frills and because it's so bare bones and has like a European soccer feel to it and is like so stripped down that it's cool. It's so uncool, it's cool. And everybody's like, Washington football team. It's like, we're all business. We're in Washington and we're a football team and like says it all right. And everybody's like, this is actually kind of cool. So once they don't get the Red Wolves thing, you could just park it right there, man. But we know they're not going to park it right there because merchandise is big business. And if they rebrand, they get to sell all this new gear. It's a business decision. That's what it was. It just happens to be a really dumb, bad business decision because they had a name and it was working and everybody liked it. And then they decided to get like, this is the name that they would pick if you're in Hollywood and you're making a movie and you can't get the actual licensing. Ah, uh, we can't get Patriots and Eagles and Giants. What about Commanders? And they're like, that's it. Green light. Commanders and it's just, versus the Vipers. Let's do it. It's just. I think the Commanders were the team that beat Shane Falco at the end of the season in yes. replacements. And yeah. so this is perfect for Washington and perfect for Dan Snyder because it's so bad. Like, sure, man, you're the Commanders now. Godspeed. What happened to the Hogs? That was that would have been Hogs cool. would have been fun. Like you can have like you can have like a violent pig. I think we would all <laughs> like that. You know, it, yeah, a violent pig mascot. Yeah. Oh, well, uh, when they re rebrand back to Washington football team, we will get back on the show and celebrate it. Uh, John Gonzalez, thanks for joining us. And uh, if you haven't already, please go check out SI Weekly. Uh, it's not only a really good show. Connor Orr has been on it. Yes. My name has been said on it. So what else do you want? Huge downloads and rating spikes uh, when those two things happen. Sports Illustrated Weekly comes out every Wednesday, available wherever you get your podcast. Please subscribe and listen. This week, we have a really awesome Olympics preview where we get into Aaron Jackson, who's a speed skater who started in roller derby and is now one of the best speed skaters in the world. First black woman to stand atop a World Cup podium. She's just amazing. You're going to hear a lot about her. Uh, I know, Gary, you're making a face roller about roller derby. derby. That's awesome. It's so That's awesome. so cool. It's such a fun story. Our colleague, Stephanie Epstein, popped on to talk about Aaron. Such a great, fun thing. And then Ben Rhodes, who is the former deputy national security advisor for President Obama, comes on to discuss the Olympic boycott, diplomatic boycott, and why that is. And then we wrap up with Michael Vick. Michael Vick was on the podcast. So good episode wow. this week. Yeah. Michael Vick is like batting third. That's how deep this podcast. You got to get to. You got to get through the first stuff to get to Michael Vick. That's incredible. Yeah, he was great. The MMQB NFL podcast is Connor Orr and me, Gary Gramling. 
Thanks to this week's special guest, John Gonzalez. We are produced by Shelby Royston. SI's executive producer of podcasts is Scott Brody, and our senior podcast producer is Dan Bloom. Mark Mravik is emeritus editor of the MMQB, and Andy Benoit is the founder of the MMQB NFL podcast. Be sure to subscribe to this feed on Apple Podcasts, and once you do, please leave a rating and review, because it really does help other people find the show, which is also available on Spotify, Stitcher, SI.com, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Martha Stewart, the original influencer. When I think about anything, I think about the way that she did it first. The media mogul. The six years ahead, she saw what was coming. The prisoner, the rise, the fall, and the reinvention of an American icon. Once Martha paved the road, everybody else pretty much copied her. A CNN original series, The Many Lives of Martha Stewart, now streaming on Max. Hey, this is John Ridley. And this is Matt Carey, documentary editor at Deadline. And welcome to Talk Talk. John, we've got a hard-hitting episode today. A lot of controversy. Well, maybe we should put the word controversy in quotes in the documentary field about the nominees for Best Documentary Feature. We're going to get into that with some amazing panelists. You get a shot, but the individuals behind every one of those images, they're complicated and they are human. This has been Doc Talk. Thank you. Great conversation. Are you looking to step up to a 4K smart TV? One that gives you unparalleled clarity and picture resolution? Then we've got good news for you. Because the Vizio 65-inch V-Series 4K smart TV is now just $348. With all your favorite apps built in, you can stream straight out of the box. You can even sing along to all your favorite music and radio on the iHeartRadio app. Looking for a smaller or bigger screen? Vizio offers unbeatable prices on all V-Series 4K smart TVs. Head to Walmart.com today and score the 4K TV you've been waiting for. Ready to unlock a world of entertainment? Philips Roku TV has America's favorite TV streaming platform built in. So you can watch live TV, catch every game, discover must-see shows and hit movies, and get all the best streaming apps in one place, like iHeart, for all your favorite music, radio, and podcasts. Watch what you want, when you want. Immerse yourself in entertainment with premium 4K picture and sound for every budget, with sizes for every room. Find your perfect Philips Roku TV today, online or at your local Walmart and Sam's Club. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. At- 